Welcome to part one of Health System CIO's Health IT Influencer Spotlight with Craig Richardbilt, former CIO at Carolinas Healthcare. In this segment, Richardville talks about how the non-event of Y2K actually helped lay the foundation for investing in an EHR, why he has always steered clear of the rip and replace approach, and the mistake many leaders make when it comes to implementing and optimizing EHRs. This podcast is sponsored by Optum, solving real problems and creating practical solutions today using the latest in healthcare technology, such as blockchain, AI, and advanced analytics. See how Optum can make your digital transformation easier at optum.com CIO. Thank you, Craig, so much for taking some time to speak with us. Basically, looking back at your career and where the industry is going and, and what you're up to now, I think that this should be interesting. Yes, thank you for the opportunity. It's, it's been uh, quite a journey, and the journey certainly isn't over yet. So I've got a good another decade to uh, contribute and be, be part of the healthcare community, so I'm really looking forward to it. Great. So let's start by talking about the time that you spent in the leadership roles with ProMedica and then Carolinas, which is, of course, now known as Atrium. You were with what was then Carolina's Healthcare for 20 years, so certainly a lot of changes during that time. And I can imagine that the organization itself went through a lot of growth in terms of number of hospitals, things like that. Yeah, the nice part, you know, when I came down to Carolina's Healthcare System, uh, that was back in 1997. They had just become did business as Carolina's healthcare system. Most people probably don't know, but the healthcare system is actually a county facility called Charlotte and Mecklenburg Hospital Facility. It does business as Carolina's healthcare system. But we were three hospitals. When I came down in 1997, we were three hospitals. And when I left, we were uh, around 42. So when you look at the healthcare system and the healthcare industry and the role that Carolina's played, certainly the growth and consolidation and relationships and all that over those last two decades were really strong. And CHS in the North and South Carolina played a major role and became the largest healthcare system in the Southeast and the second largest public healthcare system in the country to the VA. So very fortunate to be part of a company for over 20 years, yet we were probably a handful of different companies during those years with the different growths that we had in terms of acquisitions, and then we would have management contracts, then we would have some mergers. So from that standpoint, we're always a different company and always being very uh, nimble and flexible to meet the changing needs of the market. Right. And was the growth fairly gradual, or, or were there a couple different times when things just really kind of ramped up? No, it actually started, uh, what I would say, at a very consistent pace. I mean, certainly some of the relationships were larger than others, but typically uh, every year we had a couple of things, even my very first year. And I remember a few years into uh, working for the system, going to my boss, you know, just kind of in a joking manner saying, you know, this is not what I signed up for because we're already twice as big as what we were when I came. But that growth continued, and for us it was a, a nice pace. Some cases, certainly the system wanted to continue to be aggressive in its standardization and consolidation of some of the different areas, whether there were service lines or corporate areas, 
so that we were a single-facing unit to the patients and to the community. So that was the intent. And plus, part of what I've always kind of looked at when you already know what you need to do, so the management agreement or the merger or the acquisition was signed and inked and ready to move forward, you don't know what's coming up next. So to me, it was always to our benefit to aggressively accelerate the actual execution of our plans because we know there are going to be more things coming up down the road that are unanticipated for us. And the more we can get things off our plate, you know, the better it would be and how we'd be able to handle the changing environment that would be uh, upcoming. Right. It certainly seems like a, a sound strategy for growth. And as far as the, the clinical transformation, when did uh, the organization enter the EHR space? Well, you know, we were one of the first ones. It was back uh, right after Y2K, so part of coming down here in the in 97, you know, a lot of our work was refreshing, updating, replacing some of the common systems and the networks and a lot of devices and equipment uh, in preparation for Y2K. And I think we all know for those that have been around for 20 years, the Y2K was really a non-event. However, there was a lot of investments made in the technology that prepared us then for the EHR or the EMRs of the world that would be uh, forthcoming. So after the ERA Act and the actual uh, contributions back to for meaningful use back into the healthcare system to successfully install, we, uh, we signed our first contract right after Y2K. So it was 2003-2004. Uh, we went live in 2005, 2006 and then aggressively continued uh, those rollouts over the next decade. And as every system came on board, you know, the advantage that we had and the way that I looked at it is some of those hospitals or practices or healthcare systems had recently made investments in the EMRs like most others around the country. So we always took a very um, concerted effort not to rip and replace. I think it's important to make sure you try to get the return back on your investment so for those that had just recently implemented or in the process of implementing, we didn't want to throw that money away because that was typically, you know, funding that comes from the community, either through, you know, the payer system or uh, through self-pay. And so for us, we, it was really important that we preserve that. And then when it was time to reinvest or to replace or to upgrade, then you took a business look at it and said, does that make sense now to fold them into a, a larger system? And as you can imagine, back in those days, especially, you know, when we weren't that cloud or off-premise space, there was a lot of discussion, you know, that we had about can the systems even handle some of the size that we were. So from that standpoint, it was always better for us to make sure that we did it at the right time. Uh, as some other people have different philosophies, they did replace, they could everybody on the same system was important. For me, it was important that we, number one, from a business standpoint, preserve the investment, and number two, you know, tried to reduce the change management as much as we could because we knew there was going to be more coming down the road. Yeah. And, and really, number three, just do you know, what was right for the patient and, uh, and make sure that life was simpler for them. So if they already were used to something, we didn't want to turn around and switch it back over. But at the right time, you know, obviously it didn't make sense to consolidate. Right, okay. And so being early on in the game as far as electronic records, was there a decent amount of – I don't want to say resistance, but were they somewhat receptive to this change? Yeah, you know, going back and thinking about, because now it's been almost 15 years ago uh, when we started getting into it, I think everybody understood the business and the clinical reasons why. And when you look at 
software, you look at any type of business process, you know, it was fairly immature at the time. And from that standpoint, there were some growing pains that came along with it. You know, it's hard to change processes. It's hard to change people, especially those that may have been practicing in a certain way for a couple of decades. And the tools, they weren't the best tools in the world. And even today, you still hear some comments about how they can continually to be improved. And you're seeing some of the technology pieces come into it. So I can't say it was fully embraced. I think people understood the reasons why. I believe that there was probably maybe some lessons learned, you know, as you kind of continue to grow as an industry and within your own healthcare system. And that's why also when you look at some of the change management pieces, which do, you know, cause you to take a step back with the intent that you're taking two steps forward when you're done, but taking that step back, and that's why the preservation of recent investments, if you've already gone through one change in the last three to five years, to put you through another technology change, a major change, may not be in the best interest of providers and patients and patient care. So we just always pick the right time, you know, to make that change take place. And in some cases, it was very welcome, depending on where you were coming from and what you were looking forward to. So it was mixed, and I think today you're starting to see a, a little bit more lean toward the positive, but you still look at efficiencies, and you look at processes, and you can still pick up any magazine in healthcare IT, and, and you'll find an article or two, continue to look at how some of these tools could get better and, and ease some of the burden that's been placed on the physicians. One of my sons is actually a physician uh, over at the Cleveland Clinic, and so from that standpoint, it's great to bounce things off of somebody like that who's rather young in his practice, new to uh, delivering care, and so it doesn't have some of the past uh, maybe behaviors or uh, processes built into him. So he's seeing things a lot different, and yet I do understand and totally get it when people are uh, looking to make changes to something they've been practicing for the last you know 20 years. You're starting to see that, obviously, with a generation beginning to shift, become less and less. But from my standpoint, I remember when we first started putting these back in at 04, 05, 06 timeframe, uh, I remember sitting around one of the executive tables and some of the administrators talking about you know, why are we hearing so many complaints and some of the issues that were going on and hard to change, et cetera. And you look around the table and you saw everybody with their notebooks opened up with pen and paper. Right. And I was like, okay, well, let's just pretend that I take all those pens and all those that paper away and I give you a computer. Mm-hmm. And no longer will you be able to use pen and paper. You have to use a computer to do all your work. How do you feel about that? <laughs> well, I, I think that kind of opened up their eyes a little bit. And still today, when you look around, you do see some people with tablets and maybe they're uh, taking notes on their phone. But for the most part, you certainly have certainly a majority, you know, more than half that are still using pen and paper. Mm -hmm. So the rest of us that kind of maybe critique those that are being critical of the system haven't gone through that change. And for those that have, I think they have now adopted it and you see them. So some of the physician providers sitting around the table are taking notes electronically and are more adaptable to it because they've had to do it now for over 10 years or 12 years. So from that standpoint, they're actually more used to it in some cases than some of your non-clinicians. Right. And with the way things did unfold, going a little bit more gradual with, with the rollouts, was it also an opportunity to correct or, you know, maybe improve upon some of the uh, processes and things like that just because, um, you know, nobody's yeah, going to get I'm, this right the first time? <laughs> yeah, and I don't think that really ends. You know, it still goes on today. So I always consider myself a student, you know, always listening and learning and trying to help understand so I could be better tomorrow than what it was today. 
I think as an organization, as part of the culture, and certainly the culture that we built at Carolina's healthcare system was a learning organization, one that continued to get better, engaged and involved providers, patients, focus groups, you know, all aspects of, of the clinical delivery. And plus, on the same side, a lot of the corporate areas, you know, went through a lot of change too with ERP systems and different types of communication, you know, switching from pagers to phones to email moving services to the cloud, all different kinds of aspects on the technology front as well that that was impacting all the different areas. So, yeah, and I don't think that ever changes. I mean, once you, I think once you realize maybe that you got it, uh, you should probably get out of it because it's going to change tomorrow. <laughs> and sure. from that standpoint, you know, even now when you look at some of the new entrants coming into the market, some of the technology leaders coming in, and they're not going to be going out this time. They've been in and out for a couple of decades, but they're going to be in and they're going to stay in. And yeah. from that standpoint, I think it's it's a whole new environment for us. And for me, having kind of a um, competitive type of spirit, it's also time to, to corroborate and to collaborate with others and to work together on doing things. It doesn't have to be, you know, it's either you or, or me. I do think there's ways that everybody can share into you know, the healthcare aspects of what we're doing, what we're changing to, and I'll be part of that change. Certainly, there should be some that will probably fall out. And to me, those are probably those that haven't learned to learn or learn to adapt to a changing environment. But for those of us that have been successful over the last couple of decades, I think the next decade or two are going to be really fun to go through because the change is going to continue to accelerate and be increasing. And that, to me, is, you know, we'll have a, a better product and a better service for the patients and the community at the end. And that's what we're here for. Right. Carolina certainly seemed to be an organization that that had embraced innovation, which you know we, we hear a lot about. But one of the things that that stuck out to me was the the focus on uh, patient or consumer engagement, and this seems to be an area that that really is ripe for innovation. And you did talk about how that was approached and what your philosophy was in terms of you know, really using technology to improve some of these processes. Yeah, from that standpoint, when you look at how things do evolve, are changing, et cetera, and some of the things that we were able to uh, get accomplished, you have to start looking also at other industries and looking at the rhythm of life that people have and look to see where there's opportunities. The thing that we've done here, and I was fortunate to uh, be the chair of the Charlotte CIO organization this past year, and it was something we started informally years ago and formalized it and as an outstanding organization is you really sit down and learn from others. So we have the major CIOs from across all the different uh, industries, the different verticals, and we learn from each other. So if I see Duke Energy and the CIO Chris Heck doing something to me as a consumer, educating me on the better use of my electricity and and the different uh, aspects of the the field that they're in, I want to take those statements, maybe take some of the verbiage, take their method of communication or either via text or via email or how they're communicating and maybe try to apply that toward healthcare as we're starting to look at value-based and trying to manage the amount of care people receive and promote health. They're doing the same thing in the energy sector. So there's no reason why all those different types of tools and techniques, it's the same consumer that we're talking about. It's just a different vertical. So there's a lot of great analogies between financial services and healthcare especially yeah. as a progression of and the migration from moving from, you know, everything being on paper and or face-to-face to more of a very virtual, easy, and you're moving a lot of those clerical tasks onto the consumer's hand. And I can do it right here, obviously, on my phone. Healthcare is going through a very similar change, maybe not as fast, but I do think and I do hope 
that it will accelerate to move away from physical plant being where you receive care to the physical person. So no matter where I'm at, you, I can receive the care that I need via my phone or whatever connectivity that I do have, and it's not that I have to go to you, but you actually go to me. And that's one of the things that we looked at when we were trying to make decisions on what to do and how to do things from a, a decision perspective. And being in the technology sector, it's really advantageous that those are just different things that we can bring to the table. There still has to be a very strong business or clinical decision to make those types of investments. You just don't do technology for technology's sake because it's cool or you think it's something that would be highly recognized. It actually has to contribute back to the organization's mission, vision, goals, strategic objectives, whatever you're calling them. It has to contribute back, and there's only a limited amount of resource to put into it. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.